Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 13 of Middle of Row, the podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be discussing Suburbicon, the new film from George Cooney, starring Matt Damon, Julian Moore, and briefly Oscar Isaac. But before we get into that, does anybody else have anything they'd like to talk about? Stranger Things! Stranger Things. Okay, so before we talk about Stranger Things, I have only seen the first three episodes. These losers have mainlined the whole season. I was going to say, I watched uh, it in one Saturday day. Night. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, um, so there will be no discussion beyond the third episode for my sake and yours. So uh, but we can be vague. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying, but we. But you can get into details. I actually don't think much of anything actually happens in the first three episodes, but uh, that can be a part of point of discussion. Uh, but Lauren, since you jumped in first, you get to share your thoughts. Uh, I guess I'm going to be part of the group that thinks that the first season was better. I, it's not that I didn't like this season. I just think they kind of got themselves into too many storylines and I don't care about a lot of them. Like, I don't care about, uh, oh, what's its name? Dart? That whole, like, hey, look, I found an E.T. alien and we're friends now. I wonder why she doesn't like that. Well, I didn't actually connect those things until after the show. How did you not connect the two? There's a giant because I try not ET to think about right next. Oh to my the, god! Seriously though, uh, Kyle mentioned that to me today. He's like, "Oh my god, there were so many re- references to ET, and I missed all of them. Like, I didn't see ET in this that you're talking about. So clearly, my mind is doing me a favor and just blocking <laughs> out any images of him." <laughs> But it's like, so yeah. You just, every time you think about E.T., you think about him blending in with everything else around yeah, him. Yeah, stuffed like animals. Yeah, But, yeah. so yeah, I definitely did, or I didn't like that, or care for that storyline. Um, and I think they just, they benched their MVP. Eleven doesn't have that much to do in this season. And it feel, so it feels like they're forcing her into episodes with random plots in the infamous episode seven. Oh my gosh. I honestly think, so we were talking about it, when I first watched that episode, and I had gotten a text from Lauren and Ben saying this episode is terrible, I was hesitant, and then I was enraged, because I <laughs> didn't see the point of it, aside from oh, being yeah. Especially an when you... 11-slash-Millie-Bobby-Brown-centric episode, when no other character has really gotten their own centric episode... No. And I saw it purely as just, like, a way to, like, milk a contract. Uh, and it was just really frustrating. Like, maybe they should have put that earlier in the season because they plopped it between, like, this huge climactic cliffhanger. And then we have to go on this journey with her for an episode. It's like, I don't care about this. I want to get back to what happened at the end of season or episode six. Well, and it's not that it's not that you can't have character centric episodes. Oh no, that's Game ter- of Thrones. That's perfectly reasonable, exactly. But there's always a little bit of allusion to. Oh, by the way, here's what's happening with the other characters to tie you back to the central story. There was none of that, and the only show that I've seen do that very well, to my liking at least, and this is going to be controversial, is The Walking Dead. That's the only show that I've really appreciated. What you didn't like that episode of Lost where we get to follow that couple. <laughs> that's a great episode. I, I liked it. I don't remember it. I just Wait, remember I how it I have no ends. idea if these two are being sarcastic or not, Lauren. No, no I, I enjoyed it. I liked that episode. Yeah, that was a great way of the show. I just remember being so like aghast or just 
horrified by how the episode ended. It kind of washed away. It was a good ending. Yeah, no, it was it was, I mean, I think the thing that got me about that episode was, and reading all the reaction after the fact, because I got into Lost Way after the fact, was the fact that we came into, what was that, season four or something? And all of a sudden, Pablo and Nikki are here, three. and they're talking as if everyone knows who Pablo and Nikki are. <laughs> and everyone's like, who the fuck Don't are Pablo know and Nikki? you everyone's best friends? <laughs> and then finally, like the writers felt so convicted of like, we have no reason why we included these two people that they had to kill them off. But that's, that's an episode of TV that you would, you can never get in the current model of TV being made in the chunks and the bingeable and the streaming release. Cause that, that like John was saying, that was a reaction episode to the, the fact that the, 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 the audience, cause when they were filming that, episode this the season the beginning of the season aired and people are like what the f is going on and then they're like okay this isn't working well that just goes to show that maybe they didn't have plans for their whole seasons and then they hear people talking about that like okay we'll do this episode now anyways (laughs) you should still watch lost lost is the best um lost is great but yeah i really did not like that episode and i i was i was about to say zach you may episode seven of stranger things correct yeah you may skip it because it didn't really add to the overall it. mythology. And I know they teased... Do you not think that they are planning on expanding the mythology of the show, though? Well, okay, like, for... Uh, I don't I think know. With, I think with like, how, how they... long can you tell the same story no, I think with how... over and over again in this Well, I mean, town? no, I won't say what I was going to say. Just it feels like th- maybe season three could Well, I think, like, that. With, with how they ended this season, I think that the story beat from that episode is going to come into play down the road. I think that's going to be crucial. I've heard, I've heard on a podcast that I was listening, Little Gold Men, I was listening to their podcast. Shout out. Discussing, they were discussing the season as a whole in non-spoiler terms, but both of the people on there, uh, I believe it was Richard Lawson and Joanna Robinson, said they thought the season ended right back where it started. It uh, does. Okay. It like is kind of like um, this book series I was reading. It uh, oh shoot, what's it? The Expanse. It's a TV show, but like the the second book in the series, you read it, and the way it ends, you realize that the whole like season or the whole book was just like a filler episode, basically, to like get so there's time enough between one and three to get to where that plot actually needed to go, and that's exactly what this kind of felt like when you see the end of the season. Yeah. Are we gonna get the it age up jump next in the third season? Or are we doomed for another season of kids? I say well, doomed. I, I'd say we're gonna still have the kids because they're the focus yeah. of the no, show. Sure. I don't know I just, why I would say doomed. They're they're great. No, I'm I'm I don't mean doomed as doomed. And more Steve. Uh, <laughs> I like I've Steve. Been fine so far. He he. But he feels like he a comes around foreign character than to I don't what he know. was last year. I enjoyed him this season. I liked him both seasons. I, w- I think it's like he's he's just a a genuinely good person who got in the wrong crowd and he was in the wrong crowd even before season one started, and then he's just kind of turning around to be this like you know, what he actually is, just a good person and yeah, caring just, individual. Like I think I saw a joke somewhere that was just like it's adventures and babysitting with Steve. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a great um, description. Steve got woke. Steve got woke. What is it? In the off season. I will disagree with what people were saying about the ending though. I 
I don't think the ending left as much anticipation or excitement for where it could go from here. Granted, it is. No, still I was a... more frustrated with it. Oh, hundred well, percent. It was. I was frustrated at the end of season one that oh they're setting up a sequel. I thought this was going to be an, an anthology kind of story. Mm. Also, slight spoiler: this is the beginning of episode two. How easy was it for Eleven to get out of? The, oh, I know. Of, I was like, "What?" She just thinks hard at the wall for five seconds, and then she's yeah, out I thought in the that woods. was a little silly. It's like, wait, yeah. but when she when she threw that uh, that flaming squirrel at that dude, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, a lot of shows seem to have that problem lately. Like every flaming season squirrels? premiere of no, just she, having God, I have like that problem, problem in real life. <laughs> like no, a cliffhanger that ends a season coming back the next season and they fix it within like the first like it, episode with a day like, the flash yeah. does that every season oh yeah, yeah but you expect that this from time the flash, like, actually though. pissed me off it's like oh yeah really? like i'm not watching it anymore right now because i'm still so upset about it. really i haven't seen the premiere yet i'll have to go back and oh, watch it's, it. it's such bullshit <laughs> i'm gonna say one more thing about stranger things i think uh as someone who is the least fan of it actively frustrated and grumpy with it at the end of the first season i have enjoyed the first three episodes i don't think it's anything special but i think the show's done a really good job of balancing out the kids this season i was telling uh john and lauren this off the pod um but the i feel like they've got a really good balance between the four mike who is not a very good character in my opinion he hasn't been he's been sidelined compared to last year where he was like the main character um Though it seems like with Eleven and him potentially coming back together, um, that could I be... I get so creeped out by that love story. Kind of kind of <laughs> lame. Because uh, I don't like anything Mike's doing. All of his little grumpiness at a potential new buddy for the group. Yeah, it seems a little... Yeah, I was, um, I was kind of disappointed in Max. Not because of her character but just how everyone treats her it's like i feel like she's way too cool for them to be the way they are or at least i mean in him anyway i really enjoyed the actress though she was i like her so okay i'm gonna have to disagree with you guys i think uh i agree well one part that i will agree i think her setup and her role in the show um, is unfair and we were saying off the pod yeah maybe that's what i was trying to say but elaborate. with me and zach it seems like she's just this object for dustin and lucas to kind of pine over and create tension and teenage hormonal whatever um but aside from that you would hope that there would be a lot of backstory in terms of why they are here and uh what's the significance of them coming to hawkins and yeah, but really, that's not relevant to the story there really right isn't i think i honestly well, could their addition, I mean, I don't know how much they get into their backstory, obviously, in the back two-thirds of the season. It's not even but worth is it, that dude. They don't get deep into it. It's not well, even is that something it. that you think that they're they're long gaming here? No. With it, this? See, that's the problem. I it don't doesn't think even it matters. Feel like that. I'd, I'd love like it that. if they did, but no. I feel like they're just like, oh, we've explained well, the you know bare what? minimum they, and left it there. They could. There was something yeah, that they introduced kind of... in like the last episode or so that was just like, that was actually, here's what I'll say. It's terrible, and I won't spoil it for you, Zach. Um, it's terrible for me to enjoy, but it's the <laughs> one part of it where I could be like, where I actually bought into Zachary Montgomery and Mad Max's inclusion into this season. I'm just like, oh, that's interesting. That makes things interesting. 
do they resolve right the what no, again you don't have to spoil if they what the reveal is but they have the the moment where they reveal they're not brother and sister do they resolve that even yeah i mean yeah they explain it but it's it's okay. i not mean fulfilling. like bare minimum what okay. bare minimumly <laughs> I imagine they're playing after the first season where they didn't know how this was going to play out or if they're going to get more show. Um, I think you're going to look back on the second season as they probably were setting up a lot of stuff to expand the show going forward. Since oh, yeah, that's what I was they're saying. It just feels like stepping stones. Episodes of this or seasons of this as they're. As long as the show stays as culturally I sh- relevant. I sure no, hope they, that. Said, they said they want to do four. They wanted to finish with four. Okay. Well, then, if they have a, if they were smart and mapped out their next three seasons before they started this one, maybe these guys are going to be more relevant. So. I don't know. I feel like they just needed another girl. Ben, tell me something you've been doing. Stranger Things. I think we did, covered that. Did you finish Evil Within? No, I I just stopped playing. It it didn't really. Oh really? Yeah, it didn't do anything for me. It's kind of like. Because it has, like, side missions now, so you open up more parts of the map, you learn a little bit more about what's going huh. on, but it just, it really, it doesn't feel it like It seems kind of weird, because the first one's so story-driven. Yeah, and it's like, this one, it's like, it just, it doesn't work well, and it's not, um, I don't think I've really been scared. Aside from, like, one specific point, uh, and it wasn't even that, that big it was just like eh, i i really haven't been too did you play the dlc of the first one no um i watched someone play it online and there's the second i think it's the second episode maybe but there's this the villain that follows you around is this lady with this giant lamp on her head and it's just terrifying because it's all about like anxiety inducing like sneaking around trying to avoid her and like so it feels like the dlc gets back to the scares where the game kind of fell back on action after a while i mean it's it's funny because like i was i was playing or I was playing this and I put it down and then I like on my computer it's like oh look a trailer for the new Resident Evil 7 add-on I was like wow this looks so much better I guess I'll just wait for this (laughs) Um, and I think they're doing at least one of them is free so I'll definitely play that one for sure Uh, what was with all the game announcements today I think there was a a show or something wasn't there Last of Us 2 we don't need we don't need to get into it, but there was like the Destiny. There was a the Last. There's of Us new Spider Man. I, I would say I would say watch the. Did I send you guys the Last of Us one? It is. I'm not sure how to feel about it. Oh yeah, it's it's Cause it's just it's just violent. It's like. Well, it's just setting up the world. It's not supposed to show you anything, really. I, I guess I just. It's like it's a tonal trailer. Sure. I mean, I, I just if that's the tone, it's like that was pretty. Like just, but that was the tone uh, of the first game. Yeah, you were bleak, murdering violence. Out there <laughs> well, no, like the, the, the first, the, like no one, no one was pinned down. It had their like elbows broken with a hammer, like that. Oh well, yeah, but the, that was there was oh, that was there was a group of people chopping up bodies in the first game. Well, yeah, they need they so need yeah, to eat. bones were being broken. <laughs> they were just dead first. <laughs> okay, I mean, fair enough. Um... I heard there was an... So, yeah, Ellie was going to get eaten. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but aside from Stranger Things, not really anything. I played a little bit more of Destiny 2. Still loving it. Still playing it. Uh, I still need to raid, which I'll, I'll update my 
my review once I've done that. You haven't done the raid yet? No, I haven't gotten, like, my team hasn't had the time. Like, we just haven't... I need to do... Th- I need to, A, beat that game, and B, get more into it, because I already had sunk in whatever the... I bought the... Pre-bought the... Season pass. The season pass. Yeah, I definitely already... I, buy, I bought that digitally, so, um, yeah. Can't return that. But, uh, yeah. John... Um, so, as well as Stranger Things, I've caught up on The Good Place, <coughs> excuse me, which, per Zach's request, uh, he wanted to know what my thoughts were about this season, and this season is crazy and nuts in the best way possible. Didn't expect them to be going in this direction, but it totally works. I don't think I've seen this week's episode. The Janet one? Don't spoil anything. Yeah, I don't think so. Gotcha. The last one I saw was where he has the midlife crisis when he can't contemplate um, existence. Oh, yeah. I think... uh, Ted Danson has been incredible in this season. Oh, 100%. Well, one thing that I find great is there's the obvious superstars of Ted Danson and Kristen Bell, but all the side characters are supporting characters do an incredible job as well the guy who plays uh john you or jason mendoza um what is his name he's just such a lovable character and such a doofy character yeah they they really figured him out this season too like yeah he seemed, he was kind of one note in the first season and they've just turned him into the lovable idiot which but which he kind of was like i don't know last time last season he was kind of a tool this year he's a lot more lovable and I think it has worked really well. Manny Jacinto. Um, so, yeah. And also need to talk about William Jackson Harper, who is definitely growing on me. Jamila Jamil and Darcy Carden. Darcy Carden's probably the highlight, honestly. She plays Janet, per Wikipedia, an artificial being helping the inhabitants. Uh, she's like... She's like Siri, she's Siri. on on steroids, <laughs> essentially, and she's so lovable and goofy and great. Um, a contemporary of Abby Jacobson and Alana Glazer of Broad City, I think she was on a couple of episodes. Um, yeah, she was the, the she was the the female trainer at um, oh, Solstice. Oh yeah. <laughs> But was she she might she was in a couple episodes, but I know she was definitely in the the episode where they were all naked in the shower together. Yeah, <laughs> um, the Abby episode where they all out. had like the games and she got way too competitive. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was in that one. There's another one where it was like the party night where you find out Abby has like a split personality when she gets drunk. <laughs> yeah, she's been she's been amazing. Um, that show has been excellent too so far this season. By the way, I, I feel like I it's not as good, one, but. I don't think they're trying to be less silly, though. I, I mean, there's still plenty of silliness, but I think they're it's trying to be a little more grounded than the previous seasons, even though they have a giant trip. The, the first commercial break of the last episode I saw was them tripping out and it was animated. And, and uh, there was a there's a pickle character. Yeah, there, but uh, I, I, I agree. It's it, it's not as as. It's. It might not be the funniest of them, but I've, I'm still really enjoying it. I have. I, I, Broad City is something I need to get into. Yeah, I you haven't do. started it. Well, how did you watch these? They're all on Hulu. 
the, do that Hulu, brah. The good place is on NBC. I just watch them on NBC well, online. Do you have a free month or free week or whatever it is? Yeah, yeah. Just I've been yeah. Mainline Broad City. You got three seasons of it. <laughs> Fair it won't enough. be hard. I should also say I have not seen the latest episode of Riverdale, but it's probably trash. So. Oh yeah, I haven't watched them yet. I've just seen the premiere. Um, Let me just tell you guys, John. We don't need a weekly Riverdale updates. We got it. <laughs> we'll wait till your uh, recap of the season six weeks after the show's over. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I will say, uh, per Lauren's suggestion, I want or I listened to an episode of I Hate It, but I love it, and I am in love. Is like, this after? Is this before? Yeah, after, after he's been constantly them the tweeting internet? them. Uh, before it was before. Um, uh huh. Sure, it was. But no, it, <laughs> it was it before. Totally you would have mentioned totally it before was. this week. It totally was. Um, I hit it, but I love it. You've heard Lauren talk about it before, but Cat Angus and Jocelyn Getty, who are journalists in Toronto, my hometown, kind of, uh, talk about movies that they hate but they love, and vice versa. Um, and they're super eight episode was oh my incredible. god it's amazing so good they, they make into this it they <laughs> so hard. and as someone who liked super eight i haven't seen it oh, since sorry, i saw it I, but i loved good hearing movie. them talk about it it was it but was it's, so no it's so funny because they take this tangent and how the main kid is like dead inside and he probably <laughs> killed his mom yeah and, well, and, and then they have they also go on a tangent about how the aliens related to the alien from cloverfield and they're just like oh yeah dave <laughs> this is my cousin dave <laughs> Yeah, it was amazing. Super 8 is great. It does not nail the ending, though. Yeah. I, 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 I completely I mean, forgot that. Everything ending. with those kids, like the imagery and the Michael Giacano's score is incredible at the end, but it the, um, the there's no, they didn't give us enough Coach Taylor bonding time for that emotional beat to hit, um, if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> they made the best argument for Stranger Things for... When I think about it kind of on the surface level, I would say Super 8 captured the feeling and air and atmosphere of nostalgia without bashing you over the head necessarily. I don't know. That... They said it sure felt like a the director giving uh, Steven Spielberg a hand job that he paid for it's... since he was the producer. No, for well, for sure. But I feel like with Stranger Things, with Stranger Things, it was way more upfront and way more... I don't know. I feel like it was, it was almost made kind of, um, kind of like Super, kind of like Super a kitschy eight, thing, like Super sort of like is trying to do something different, but be the same. Or Stranger Things feels. What was it more... trying to do different? Well, I mean, it tells an original. Like it's a completely it, original story, I would say for sure. And I think having that perspective, it of... captures the vibe of those those amblin movies it doesn't well, I'd just say the same about stranger them. things i don't think, I think it rehashes anything it's it, totally true but i feel like stranger things can sometimes feel more campy and feel more pandering to the audience feel feels more like nostalgia porn per se yeah I, it, it feels like yeah, it wears it, feels more, it wears its, its references it's more, way n- n- more n- on n- its wing, sleeve wing, than wing, super you see what i'm doing you see what i'm doing hey guys yeah. you know what makes this easier to understand when you talk one at a time so yeah, exactly what Zach Overrated. was saying. It it wears its influences on its sleeve way more, and like you said, always kind of tries to draw attention to it for in an intentional way and in a way, way that is supposed to be honoring of those past influences. But in a time when nostalgia is 
I don't know, super taboo and almost kind of played out. Like I like I don't feel super drawn to Stranger Things anymore in that same way. Super Eight did this type of movie before this trend even hit. Whereas yeah, I feel like Stranger if Super Things 8 really came embraces out, that came trend. out a year ago. It might have been much more accepted uh, than it, the backlash that it got. I think unfairly. And also, Elle Fanning is incredible in that movie. Yeah, she is. As someone who was a fan of Super 8, and also a fan of Stranger Things, but less so, maybe, they do an amazing analysis of the ways in which Super 8 really fell short as a movie, and the ways in which they feel like Stranger Things succeeded. And and they're hilarious to listen to, so you should totally listen to the I Hate It, But I Love It podcast. They're great. I'm going to talk about something... For a change today um i have been playing super mario odyssey oh god i knew it was coming yeah how is and it how is it zach it's it's great it's a lot of fun it is i don't think it's as game changing <laughs> oh god Why is that uh, funny? As, as um zelda was for the franchise but it is extremely 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 well executed and the I'm not, this is not an original statement, as, but the fact that when you collect a star or whatever doesn't reset your game, you just continue playing, really changes the pacing of the game, and it's just like, boom, boom, boom. It's like, it. I think that is the biggest change that has made the game so engaging and just addictive. You think um, they would have figured that out after the first Mario yeah, 64? <laughs> but, um... I don't know, the, I liked how they did it in Galaxy, because you would collect a star, and then sometimes the environment, like, when you went back into the level, it was changed slightly, so it still helped you figure out where you were supposed to go from that, there. That, 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 I agree, but that, that happens in this game, as it, like, you'll collect something or beat, there's, like, a couple story missions for each land, kind of, mm-hmm. um, that, that definitely changed the landscape of the, like, certain things become unlocked as you beat those story missions, but, um, I don't know how many moons are in the game, but I'm I've collected over 120 or so in uh, so I don't know where that puts me in. What the, they're moons and not stars? What? Not stars. They're if moons. I remember correctly, um, I heard it's like close to a thousand. Um, no way! No way! No, it's really? like it's supposed to be ridiculous. Like there's a guy who beat who beat it, and he was like pretty thorough, and he got like 250, and supposedly that's like a quarter of it. I'm gonna Google it right now just to double check. Uh, yeah. I can't imagine there's a thousand because I've unlocked six of the worlds, I think, and one of them has over 50, but none of them have, most of them are around 30 moons per level. Zach, I have two How questions. Many? In- okay, yeah. including the three moon count from multi-moons and post-game store moons, there are a total of 999. What? <laughs> Jesus. All right, so I'm a ninth of the way into the game, and it's a lot of fun. Um, John then Lauren. Um, how do you feel learning that Mario has nipples? That doesn't bother me, but I don't. I play with my shirt on. <laughs> okay. Um, second thing with Mar- No, I let me let me paraphrase that. I play with Mario's shirt. On. I, I was like, I don't shirt see how that, that really so affects Zach, me. Zach's not wearing a shirt while he's playing. But I Mario probably don't is. have a shirt on. Uh, um, but Emily's less like what. Emily, what's your wife's name again? Amy? 
Yep, not Emily. Yeah, okay. Well, I got the why right. Um, she's like, Zach, why do you always got to play Mario without a shirt on? Anyways, um, have you ever... I need a I play with sh- Einstein hair. The Einstein hair hat. That's the one I play with right now. Nice. What, uh, are these like power suits or are they just no, they're cosmetic? No, that's an interesting thing. They're, they're just cosmetic. Yeah. Mm. But there are stars that are moons that aren't eligible to you unless you dress the right way. There's at least <laughs> one of those per level. Really? I'm sure it's going to play out cool. even more. Yeah. Yeah. They're super easy. Like a lot of the moons are like really, really ridiculously easy to get. Um, but it's fun nonetheless to dig them all out and find them. All right, John. Second question. Uh, this isn't really a second question. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it back. Never mind. Lauren I, or Ben had a comment. I have. Oh, I was just gonna ask. So, how many games do you have for your Switch now? I have three. Whoa. What's the... I have Snake. I have Snake Pass. <laughs> I downloaded digitally when it was on sale, but I have, I have not played it yet. Okay. So that Super Mario Odyssey and the Legend of Skyrim, the Breath of Skyrim. <laughs> yes. That's not funny. Why didn't, but... why didn't you get uh, Mario Kart? <laughs> you said that so defensively. I, I'm not a. I'm not a big. I mean, I would get Mario Kart, but I'm not someone who's like gotta have the next Mario. No, Kart it's game. it's 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 tough because it's, I've heard it's great. No, it is, but it's but it's like definitely. I haven't played Mario Kart since the '64, so it's yeah. one you want people to play with. Um, exactly, like yeah. unless you're hosting people and having a bunch of people over. But uh, I was gonna ask Zach. I heard that the bosses in Super Mario Odyssey, just like in scale, are kind of ridiculous they're just huge is that um so shadow only, of the classes I, I think i've only faced the first set of them there's like four little minions that um i i fought bowser once and hit all of his minions now i guess once and i mean yeah they're bigger than you and they're fun puzzles but i don't think i've died fighting a boss yet that was the other thing i, I legitimately thought you were saying that mario Car- or mario and has a like crossover with minions, and I was gonna be really oh. upset. <laughs> well, it's got like, they have the rabbits. Okay, like the next, actually, yeah. actually, actually, the um, the ghosts are the hat things, and the opening level talk like minions, and it ir- irks me a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, that's that's awesome. Uh, um, but Super Mario Odyssey, um, it's great, even though you've only finished a ninth of the game, Zach, and you will have to <laughs> binge that like crazy. Oh, man, he's going into third person, guys. I have I have six weeks, I guess, before the Zelda DLC comes out. So, um, yeah. I, I got 800 moons to find. I'm so excited for Mario. I just need to buy it, but I can't. Yes! Sorry. What was I that? Might, I'm, I might be watching the Blues game. <laughs> oh, okay. Cool. We just scored. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so with that, um, we're gonna move I'm just on. really excited for Mario Odyssey, guys. Yeah. Yes! <laughs> Did you hear that it has like 999 moons? That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, I am pumped. That's so crazy. <laughs> what was the totals in Galaxy, the Galaxy games? I feel, I feel like I cleared both of those 100%. I will Google it. Give me just a It was like 200s, I think. I just remember I didn't get all of them for the 64, and I was so upset because I wanted to see Yoshi so badly. <laughs> I have not seen Yoshi yet in this game. I don't know if he's in this game. Yoshi! I heard Luigi is like conspicuously absent, which is upsetting. Yeah, he he was on a bender somewhere. Okay, so uh you can get so one twenty stars, hundred and twenty with Mario. Uh-huh. But then you can get the same stars but you have like 
uh, Luigi who's faster but slides and all that. Yeah. So I I, I, did, I never I didn't do that. That's for sure. So it would be like essentially two hundred forty. Um, By my math, those are the same stars. So okay, so um, one twenty then. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're gonna move on to our featured review for the week. Before we get on to that, though, you might be wondering, Zach, what happened to your review of the snowman? Well, we had some technical difficulties. So sorry, guys. <laughs> ben had some technical difficulties. He owned up to it, so I'll throw him under the bus. Yeah, really, he didn't record the whole time. He just doesn't want that to, is to know not, that. That is <laughs> not what happened. I just somehow deleted it, and it was really upsetting. The gist of the conversation, in case I never create the special lost episode of the three files that I do have of it, John and I were both on board with you watching it. Neither one of us thought it was amazing, but a good watch. Uh, uh, did, does your opinion change every two oh, goddamn seconds? No, Jesus I was pretty Christ. strong about it. I John, thought. oh, so you, you're saying I'm not selling you uh, your opinion high enough? Yeah. Okay. I did not get that impression. Nope, I did not get that impression either. Um, you need to do better at emoting your personal feelings. Uh, but Ben and Lauren were extremely hard passes. So if you, uh, depending on who you side with when you listen to this podcast, uh, when you see a movie, it's most likely not me. So I guess you're probably more important, interested in those guys' opinions. But um, we had two yeses, two noes, and apparently a vague, really good yes as one of those two yeses but um that might pop up on your feed at some point maybe i'll wait and mess around with it when the snowman i feel like you should just um, try to remember what ben said and act it out i was thinking (laughs) i I don't have time for that but that did cross my mind um but enough about our lost episode wait no Um, side note has anyone been seeing the snowman memes that have been coming out yeah they're fucking stupid i'm sick of it (laughs) This week, we're talking about Suburbicon, as I mentioned in the opening, the newest film from George Clooney. I believe it is his fifth directorial effort after Confessions of Dangerous Mind. It was his first one. It was written by Charlie Kaufman, and it is by far his best movie. I believe he did Leatherheads after that, The Ides of March, the political thriller. Uh, I'm still angry with that movie. I like that movie. That's my second favorite of his movies. Um, Monuments Men, which was rather disappointing, yeah. but it had a, had a lot of really good actors that made it worthwhile to watch. <laughs> That's like saying least. Valentine's Day or Happy Valentine's Day is worth watching because of all the actors. Well, Valentine's Day movies. is worth watching because Taylor Swift is great in it. But um, Oh, that's we, true. She is good. John, you should watch it. I hate you all. Um, and then his latest effort is Suburbicon, which um, I guess is most noted for being a Joel and Ethan Cohen script that George has unearthed to deliver to us as his own directorial effort. Him and his writing partner, Grant Hesloff, did a rewrite as well. They're all four credited as writers on this, but I imagine this is something that they might have wanted to get off the ground together as um, Clooney has been the Cohen's muse on and off over these last um, 15 years or so. Let me guess which half of the movie was just added recently. Well, I wonder if that was always in there or what. I'm, I'm intrigued, but uh, I, let's jump right into our general thoughts. I'm going to start us off since I'm talking, but um, 
Lauren's referring to uh, the neighbors of the the main plot of the this weird I don't even know what you want to call it crime dark crime plot is this family led by Matt Damon and Julianne Moore twice over uh, their neighbor is this new black couple which gets set up um, in the opening credits which starts like a commercial for this suburbicon neighborhood which is very very entirely white and a black uh, family moves in and um the white people don't like it to say the least um gasp this is is set in the late 50s i believe uh but to be honest i i was compelled every time that stuff came up on the screen uh i thought that was the better part of the movie the the other half with the family I feel like just never got off the ground ever and was never really finding the tone it hoped it to get to um, before. I think I might've mentioned this on one of the previous podcasts. I don't know if it ended up in the episode. I might've deleted it, but um, there was, um, I was believe I was telling you guys how apparently Josh Brolin filmed two scenes that were apparently excellent and very, very, very funny. But um, George Clooney, in an interview I read, was said that he cut them from the movie because it messed with the tone of the movie, maybe being too overtly humorous. I uh, wouldn't want this movie to be enjoyable <laughs> well, or anything. Well, well I can kind of see where he might have been coming from, juxtaposed against the black family plotline of this movie, which is, there's no humor in that. It's... Um, very well it depends who you ask well it was very straightforward <laughs> and extremely extremely well executed on uh in my opinion but um i just don't think i think it seems like clooney just couldn't tune into the comedy uh some of his actors almost get there um a, a couple times I, I think oscar isaac actually is the comes in is the tone of the movie wanted to be but he does not show up till the very last third of the movie. But yeah, I was I was rather disappointed and just could not get into this movie throughout. I did enjoy the insanity of the last third a little bit and how crazy it was. But I just I just don't know. I, I will talk about it more in spoilers, but I just could not connect with this movie. Speaking of spoilers, if you watch the trailer, a lot of the movie is spoiled for you. Yeah, that was not cool. And it compl- it also sells you the wrong movie. This is not the movie I expected. Well, yeah, all, I, 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 I didn't watch any of the trailers really, but it definitely seems like the trailers were selling Matt Damon as a hero. Oh, for sure. Which is not the case. <laughs> and they were also selling the movie as kind of like funny at times. Yeah. It, I like, think you ah. can see the dark comedy writing but it just doesn't You could see it, it but it doesn't land. play well. Yeah. 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 And I'll say like I kind of agree with you with the story about the neighbors but it just doesn't fit. It's like two different movies putting being put together. I agree. 100 I totally agree with that comment. Yeah, like same. the the maybe had the families ever interacted other than the sons it would have felt more like involved with the story but I think I mean the the final shot of the movie. I mean I I appreciate the political hope and desire coming out of the bond between the kids and the interracial friendship that they know that's I don't think that's a spoiler that they create um that there's hope in the future but like you said they're they're not they don't do a very good job of connecting with them they're they're always kind of 
they are those two characters are connecting on the peripheral of the movie but i i honestly i would have much rather just watch those kids form a friendship in the neighborhood and see like i would have loved to have seen how that went over at the baseball game or something yeah which is which is apparently the scenes that were cut I was going to say, we could have had a Sandlot thing going. Josh Josh Brolin was the baseball coach for the kids, and that's where he was cut out of the movie. Apparently. Yeah, and like Kyle made this good point, just talking about how those two stories were disconnected. At one point, they're going on about how like these neighbors who hate them are playing um, like instruments and drums all the time, but you can't hear that from inside Matt Damon's house at all. There's I a think, little there's... Bit, bit built into the sound design that don't... Eh. don't... I will bit. say some of the some of the soundtrack is probably one of my favorite parts of the movie. When it starts to play, it kind of creates a tone for the movie, but it doesn't play throughout the whole. Yeah, I agree. Thing. I think the score. Are you talking about the score? Yeah. Itself? Yeah, I, the score was good by Alexandre Desplat, but again, I felt it felt on its own as well. The it, all there's yeah. a lot of disparate pieces in the movie that just never really coalesced for me it's very true and i would just say my biggest disappointment with this movie was just how hard i tried not to fall asleep while watching it (laughs) i think falling asleep i would have enjoyed my time much more i kind of honestly wonder looking back at his filmography if he i I would love to look up if he's used the same editor because i feel like clooney's movies just have a weird outside confessions of a dangerous mind they all feel like rather weird in the editing department like they there's not a good flow to them um yeah i'm gonna look it up but someone else about yeah what about you other two um i i'm kind of in the same boat with lauren i just was pretty bored the entire you're in the same boat as me i was gonna say all three of us are in the boat get in the boat no i mean no i mean like you you seem to enjoy the 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 black family i i didn't enjoy really anything at all like i just i got its statement i know what it was trying to say it just never really stuck or did anything that was worthwhile in my opinion um i think matt damon had two really good scenes in the end or near the end that's kind of it like nothing else in this movie worked at all for me and i was really disappointed by it this is the same editor he's used for the last three movies. Maybe he one. should try someone else. <laughs> Though this editor also did The Revenant and Birdman. Um, so they're not terrible. And he's worked for... He did Contagion and then Informant, the Informant by Steven Soderbergh, also starring Matt Damon, which has Matt Damon perfectly cluing into the tone of the movie. So then what um, you're saying is it's not the editor, it it's be, just it George be, Clooney. It could be George Clooney. It could be George Clooney. <laughs> the Informant is one of the best edited movies of the last 10 years, though. I would I would totally give that to him. So this guy does... And he does the... Oh, he did all three Oceans movies. Oh, no. Wait, is this secretly... No, okay. I was like, is this secretly Steven Soderbergh? Because he has a <laughs> pseudonym for his editing. But he does the Magic Mike movies. Um, Alright, I'm, di- I'm digressing. John! I guess I'm Zach today, because I really like this movie. <laughs> I knew it! As soon as you were so excited to talk about it, I knew you liked it. So, I... Uh, confession. I am not sure if I've seen a single Coen Brothers movie, except for... Oh, I forgot No Country for... Okay. I've seen what about two, True Grit. Yeah, I've I haven't seen True Grit actually. 
So I've only seen two Coen Brothers movies, No Country for Old Men and Burn After Reading. Wait. Um, well, let me tell you something. Wait. They're a lot better than this movie. <laughs> yeah, Sean. Sean. Um... So, pause. Burn After Reading I didn't get and wasn't didn't really care for. Like I just Yeah, I didn't care about that one. I didn't like I didn't I don't know. Brad Pitt does a really funny dance in it. Like I okay, cool. And George Clooney makes a weird sex toy that you don't figure out until like halfway through the movie. Whatever. Um sex chair, sex cradle, like what do you call I don't it doesn't matter. Yeah, I really liked this movie. I thought the tone and the pacing was actually really good. It had John, this... have you seen Fargo? I have not seen Fargo. Okay. Oh, um, sweet Jesus. Fargo, I know, not, I know, I, I need, Fargo I know I need is to... the, the, the movie that this feels, it feels like these guys had this script idea, they made Fargo, and they're like, oh, we, we, we can't do better than that, we're not going to make this movie. <laughs> Fair and enough. they shouldn't have. <laughs> well, okay, here's what I'll say. The whole thing felt Shakespearean to me in the, in the well, way they did that... Well, George Clooney did, I guess. But... There was this main character, all the real main characters were were villains really and there was one lone uh, hero i would say who would be nikki uh the boy uh, i'd who... say there's two then if you're calling nikki the hero okay, okay you saying uncle bitch then too yeah gotcha but nikki i feel like has more of the forefront throughout the entire story but he's in this place of constant weakness and vulnerability and lack of real agency throughout the entire movie um, and in that way, there was sort of a poetic justice that ran through from the beginning to the end. So I, I liked that. I liked that aspect of it. I liked the fact that the, the kid was the moral center without having to be too upfront in your face or whatever. Or have was, that many lines. Or even have that many lines. Yeah, exactly. But he was clearly... I thought the kid was good. The kid was oh, amazing. Oh, yeah, he was... He was fantastic. He was adorable, yeah, too. Yeah, I liked um, <laughs> And I also loved the side plot. I It made me think about what are other films that have this sort of side story that's so crucial and so integral, kind of, what to the actual story. Uh, going on simultaneously so i it made me think of ben-hur with ben-hur if you don't know the subtitle is the story of christ or a story of christ and throughout the story of ben-hur you actually get these hints or scenes the very first scene i'm pretty sure of ben-hur like, is actually jesus guy over there talking <laughs> yeah exactly it's the very first scene i'm pretty sure of ben-hur is actually uh, the nativity um and that and the story of Jesus runs parallel and throughout the entire story, and you're supposed to draw parallels between who Ben Hur is and Jesus, et cetera, et cetera. And so I haven't seen a film do that sort of kind of similar. Like, here's another storyline that's going on along the same time that we want so to call your attention to. So, what parallels are you drawing between these two families? Okay, so there's there's no necessary parallel, but sorry, <laughs> I think I misspoke. There, I haven't seen a film do. A subsequent storyline that's happening simultaneously alongside that is somehow tonistically also informing the quote-unquote main storyline. And it, well, I, I just... Think, I think it speaks to how the world is going to freak out about black people doing absolutely nothing over here. And just over there, white people are going to do crazy-ass shit, killing each other, and no one fucking blinks an eye at it and um and the and how of, fucked up our world is i mean i really love the message he's trying to go for there and be like 
how just depicting how awful our society can be and how much white privilege gives you and gets away with but I, I I think he gets that across very well, but I don't think his movie was entertaining because he couldn't lock into a tone on the part of the movie that was plot driven. Uh, I I are we getting to spoilers? Are we getting too much into spoilers? Yeah. We no. spoilers? Are, no. But we can jump there. Give okay, us your two jump. cents, then we'll jump. Nope. Give me oh. your two cents. First. So yeah, yeah, I I disagree. I think they locked into this kind of sense of just. Did you find it funny? Did you find the movie funny, or were you compelled by the drama? I was compelled by the drama. Okay. Um, All right. Well, with that, um, again, I didn't, I didn't hate watching it. I just had pretty much no reaction to it. Um, It sounds like Ben and Lauren are pretty much in my boat as well. Might even liked it less than I did. Um, Ben seems the odd man out and the least liking it of these us four. But um, John did really enjoy it. And if you've seen the film or you don't care about spoilers, we're going to get into that right now. So spoilers? Sure. Spoilers. 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 So I also want to comment about the side plot. So the side plot of the black family, the Myers moving in and sort of how that changes the whole trajectory of the neighborhood and what happens i just found all that compelling and i loved the build-up so you first started with the whispers and the uh, murmurings amongst the neighborhood and then and then you started with the threatening presence of not really do anything but being present of some of their neighbors just outside waiting and then you had the escalation of the banging and the trying to like get them out and just trying to encourage them to leave. And then you had the full-on assault and uh, violence and vandalism that the neighborhood had against them. And and strewn in amongst that was the extremely creepy choral song of I forget I don't know what it was, but trying to get oh, them yeah. like that was that was heartbreaking because it took something as pure and sacred as i'm assuming was a hymn well, um that's i think that's part of the frustrating thing of watching the movie was was i think clooney does an uh, excellent job of escalating that situation and developing it both visual i mean almost visually there's very little dialogue with all of that and he just slowly raises the bar of how crazy things are getting over there and you get you feel emotion towards the family and sympathy they give us a little bit of the children's perspective on it. I thought all that was working really, really well, but the escalation on the 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 the, the family murder plot side of things, um, I just seemed really confused and unfocused. It didn't like I thought for like two thirds of the movie, you I was like, all right, what's the turn here going to be that we're going to like Matt Damon? Um, and I don't know if that's from bias I brought into it, was expecting that to happen. I don't know if that's because it's bad casting um, that we just can't see Matt Damon as a bad guy, really. Maybe, Um, perhaps, but I will say, especially that last, so at the very end, when pretty much everyone's dead, so Oscar Isaac's character is dead, which means, you know, at that point, there's no hope for Matt Damon's character. uh, What was it? Gardner Lodge? That was his name? Um... Because, like Oscar Isaac's character said, once an insurance investigator 
dies, you know some shit's going on with whatever case they're investigating. So he's dead. Yeah, but they don't have forensics. <laughs> yeah, sure. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, uh, Julianne Moore's character, so Maggie or Margaret or whatever. Both of the characters. Yeah. Okay, fine. Both of the characters. Um, but the aunt or the sister, she's dead now. Um, both of the gangsters are dead. Um, so now it's him talking to his son across the table. And you... I agree. There, he there's is a great. sense that, that like, that's a great, great scene. Yeah, and, that was but, one of the only times I felt satisfied with this movie because he was sitting in front of that sandwich. We were just like, "Yeah, eat it." Yeah, that was. But I don't. But I don't think they the, the build up to that didn't. It didn't. Like I wasn't on board with anything going on before. You know, it, like I didn't feel invested in what was happening. I feel no. like, even though it was a great scene, it was well acted. It was wonder beautifully shot and set up and like the slow reveal that he does drink all the milk and eat the whole thing you know it 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 was extremely well done but i mean you obviously were invested so it played even better for you i imagine but well because um, i I think i i think i feel a little bit of what you said and what we all said going into this movie we thought matt damon was going to be um a, a rootable character a character where just tragedy was going to strike over and over again and we're just kind of oh i wonder how he'll get out of this one but it was constantly revealed more and more that no he's not someone you can root for and you were they always kept it kind of vague like even when it when you realize that yeah he killed his wife well maybe he's just really in love with her sister john and so this maybe... always comes back to you loving cersei and forgiving her for stuff you always <laughs> forgive the bad guy yeah i think the movie would have been much better served if like from the get-go we knew he was a dirtbag i disagree and you could have I... been rooting against him the whole time i disagree i think that slow reveal and that slow build up to that final scene where it's just like him he can't hide anymore he can't pretend like with every other character he's kind of pretending whether it's the police officers or his co-workers or his boss or anyone else or even oscar isaac's character there's always this sense of him trying to pretend to try to get away with it and finally at the very end he reveals who he is to his son least of all people and that's because it was the only person left for him to talk to (laughs) fair enough but it was i thought that was such a powerful moment because it was just like no this is who matt damon truly is and you know what's going to happen in the end but you're you're eagerly anticipating to see does he survive does he die where's the resolution and where's the justice for Nikki and I yeah I thought that played off very well um so yeah I don't yeah I I thoroughly resonate and as and then Nikki grows up to be the snowman because <laughs> <laughs> life doesn't make sense Lauren um, but I do want to say again hitting on this I found. Not only all of the political and racial commentary timely, but very effective and very well done and very appropriately done, actually. Um, I think for anyone who's questioning what white privilege is or has a trouble understanding it, it's this idea that you just the fact that this this couple, the Myers, this family moved into Suburbicon means they should have had access to opportunity and resources or they already did if they were able to make it and so there shouldn't be anything in their way but as a society and as a country from the earliest stages of 
suburbia and urban flight and whatnot, those opportunities were, even though they were technically available for families of color and people of color, our society still inherently kind of resisted it or acted against it. And that's not to say, again, it was... uh, Well, sometimes it was when you look at redlining and some practices done. And I had a a professional development about this at the beginning of uh, the year, looking at the history of redlining and uh, legislation that was passed just in Missouri and St. Louis to disenfranchise people of color. And it's it's mind-blowing. Cause then, cause that's just the legislated stuff, and then you get into the things that you see, in like depicted in Suburbicon, that's where you twenty dollars, have... man. What's that? That's, that's twenty dollars, man. Yeah, that's yeah, like that was that the best kind scene of shit. In the movie, by the way. Like, What's that? Just, I thought that was the best scene in the movie. Like, just it was just extremely well done. It did. It got across so much in just like one minute, and yeah. And this is, and this is, you can't argue anymore that the system is fair and that as long as you are capable and oh i have some friends that are willing to argue with them which is which i feel like they should then go see this movie because again even if you have a family or you have people of color who are capable and have opportunity available to them because of their uh socioeconomic class and capability and income and education etc 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 well john have you heard the argument that setting these stories in the past allows like we need to start telling stories like this in the present in our i was gonna say because people who don't believe in it would just just say say, well "Well, that's that's thing in the past no that's like an active um that's an active phenomenon that people that's how they disassociate with their current viewpoints from yeah we're not as bad as that or you know um, and and i see what you're saying however i think more so than other films i've seen like say i like i guess i look at remember the titans um which is the obvious one that came to mind when i was trying to compare it and i feel like this movie stood out to me because i don't know it it just established to me again it kind of I guess maybe because it was more of a parable in that sense, it made it clear to me that oh, like no, no it's not you and your parables. It's it's not about again economics or education or capability or anything like that. It's about what the system desires for who should be out ahead. Um, and I, I okay. here's why. Well, I don't know. Yeah, it just hit me very hard. I will say, um, I saw Who Streets again, and shout out to Who Streets because Who Streets is an amazing <laughs> documentary. Um, I felt more affected and convicted by issues of social justice and racial inequality by Suburbicon than I did Who Streets. And maybe that's going to be controversial to say. Yeah, but... don't, don't tweet the director of that one. No, um, yeah. Okay, so, all right, so we've, we've exhausted the political conversation on uh, that movie. John has. I have one more thing to okay. say about this family. I just feel like ba- going back to how they introed that family... Mm-hmm. Like back when I we first started watching this movie, I definitely appreciated the whole like Pleasantville interrupted mm-hmm. where this family moves in, and I thought it was the I thought the movie was gonna be more voyeuristic, where then like everything Matt Damon was doing, the, you would always be paranoid that the neighborhood would see what they were doing, mm-hmm. and so I feel like I just keep feeling like there's two different movies here smashed together, and like it even feels like you could there's probably footage enough where you could 
see the movie, like the movie of that fam, the black family both, both movies, with Matt yeah. Damon in the background doing yeah. stuff. Where so it just I'm felt like two movies to me. They didn't play the blame. I mean, I guess the they kind of did. Like the town was blaming the presence of the black people. Yeah. To, but I thought they were. It was going to be even more direct. Like they were going to start blaming them for the actual murders. Like I thought that's what they were going to go with everything. But um, yeah, I'm glad it didn't go that way because, like I said, I think the grounded reality of and matter of factness of that story worked but again i it would it, it, like you said i 100 percent support it feels like a separate movie zach real real quick though because i've just Still kind movie. of gathered my thoughts after the fact that when i tried to like say them which happens often um i think the reason why this story worked better than say quote unquote a story that would be set in current times although i would be i would be welcome for one of those stories and i i frankly i need to see more films featuring people of color and their uh and their struggles or their issues and i need to watch more media such as like blackish and that kind of stuff um i think the reason why this one really resonated with me is because it addressed a cause and it addressed this idea that okay this is supposed to be post civil rights post Jim Crow, post all the stuff when people are going to be like, oh, but see, this, like, nothing the movie, was... The movie was pre-Civil Rights. Was it pre-Civil Rights? Yeah, it was, I guess it was so. the 50s, I think. Yeah, yeah, okay. Fair enough. I guess, because it, it got at the core of human treatment that isn't legislated, but still effective. And still people just being genuinely shitty people to other people because they're a different skin color. And that being the cause of it. And when people try to relegate it to like this idea of like, oh, but racism is like this big kind of like convoluted or not convoluted, sorry, um, big faceless idea, it starts to lose its power. And you start to be like, oh, but that's not a real thing. But once you put it into just person to person interactions that are as intimate and small as just a black mom trying to buy groceries at a grocery store. That's a very powerful story that you can tell in a quick minute of, Oh, I think that price is actually $20. Oh, I think that bread is also $20. Yeah. It was a great scene. It just wasn't a great scene for this movie for me. (laughs) Well, they just, the, to get back into the, the main through line of the movie with the Matt Damon, like it, 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 there was all these touches of weird, comedy that should have could have worked but like mm-hmm. like when he walks in on them with their weird quote-unquote weird sexual thing going on in the basement and um did you also like that didn't didn't i had got no no bits of humor out of that but it clearly it was seemed like, like no. it was it was like a dry humor kind of thing like it was it was very coen brothers human to me humor oh, to you me. don't want dry You've never things. seen <laughs> coen brothers what do you know <laughs> Hey, I saw burn after I saw burn after reading. I think it was intended to be funny. It just, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't. Yeah, it's just so interesting to me how how all that fell so flat. What did you guys think of Oscar Isaac? Did he work for you? I thought he worked. Like, oh, he, I thought he, I he thought he smashed was really through great. everything. I loved his character, and he was just a tour de force of a performance, just flying through this. Um, all the staleness of the movie bef- that had come before it. um, Yeah, and had he, like, I liked performances like that, and I feel like we should have had heightened performances throughout the thing. So, yeah, I agree there. There there, there was, 
Matt Damon is way too subdued in this movie, I feel like. Yeah. But no, yeah, so Oscar Isaac was amazing. Ben and Lawrence, we've been dominating the conversation. Is there anything else that you kind of liked or didn't like or didn't think um, worked and put that really put it or was uh, it just like a genuine I, genuine blah? Not not yes. a, is it general blah. Yeah. Not ben. not um and it's not the movie's fault per se, but uh one other thing that really did bug me is so in the trailer it shows Matt Damon sitting down with blood on his shirt eating, eating a, sandwich. a sandwich. Yeah. So as soon as that sandwich was being made in the movie, I'm like, oh, fuck, Matt Damon's going to yeah, eat that. You know that happens. Yeah. You know the guy gets grabbed from out from under the bed. Yeah, exactly. You know, and yeah, it's, it's like, you know he dies. You know It shows so much in the trailer. It's so frustrating. Yeah. And again, but that's not... Watch trailer. It's well, the first I mean, trailer. Trailers... First trailer. That's my rule. Usually that it's works. Like, there are good trailers out there that don't show you anything. And then there's ones like this that show you everything. Well, these are even worse because not only do they show you everything, they show you everything, but you, you don't think it's I would everything. say your first trailer rule, Ben, does not apply to non-blockbuster movies. I feel like we don't have trailer editors out there who know how to sell a movie that isn't a, yeah. movie, they, <laughs> a movie that they don't have to sell. Like, like a, you don't have to sell a blockbuster. You just have to throw up some yeah, imagery Thor beating the and there's usually going to be or, enough yeah. imagery from the first few few first act of the movie that you can get away with not showing a whole lot okay that's um, fair but yeah maybe maybe a good rule of thumb i'd say the only <laughs> other thing i could say about suburbicon is that i now have something to compliment kingsman for because i preferred that julian moore performance yeah. set in this decade yeah. she i mean she's i mean i love julianne moore and if you guys would have let us talk about boogie nights you would have seen one of the great well, see, yeah julianne i really moore, like i uh, love her too and she did good in this role it's yeah. just i prefer that one because it's a yeah. similar mm. time period <laughs> i i did i like julianne moore but they didn't let her get weirdo until that like the last until she was basically being yeah murdered. the only weirdo moment was when she dyed her hair at first and when she had the <laughs> ping pong paddle and all that stuff that was a little well i i thought no I thought... we're not calling fetishes weird john or john ben. <laughs> whoa <laughs> yeah. whoa I so feel I did, like I was I just typecast. It's right just there. John. You're usually the one talking yeah. about sex. Yeah, remember, yeah, I can't remember that you time you brought up the Black it. Swan thing? <laughs> what, about the time where I looked now. up a very controversial scene for curiosity's <laughs> sake in a very remember normal that time way. You were yeah, talking you were about the curious. vagina camera. <laughs> I actually don't remember the vagina camera. What was Kingsman. the vagina camera? Kingsman. About? Oh, oh my god. <laughs> How could you forget that? <laughs> because my mind had somehow blocked terrible movie making. Yeah, but you talked about it for like 10 minutes on that. Episode. Because it was so terrible. The world had to be warned. Um, okay. See, yeah, your mind blocked it like my mind blocked E.T. from Stranger Things. <laughs> All kinds of trauma being blocked up in here. All right. Yes. For the sake of time, I think we've exhausted our Suburbicon conversation. Um, John says, see it. I say if you saw it and make it a rental at most free on Netflix would be even better. Um, and uh, Ben and Lauren are in a very similar ish boat. But I, don't even I would say it. skip it. Yeah, I, don't, I would, I I would say it. it's not worth your time. Okay. It's, which makes I love Clooney's. I love George Clooney, period. Dreamboat. But um, <laughs> I love him as an actor, yeah, too. Yeah, I love him as an actor. <laughs> I love 
Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. If you've never seen Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, you should watch it. It is so, so good. It was written by Charlie Kaufman, but he was grumpy that they changed some of his script. He kind of doesn't, he kind of disowns that movie, but he's, he's so, such a good writer. It, it, it bleeds through. But Clooney in that movie is trying to show off that he's a director, too, but in a good way. Like, he's doing so many cool things with the film's look and some great steady cam shots. And it's got an amazing... It's a, one of the rare movies that lets Sam Rockwell be the lead actor. Um, it's excellent. I believe it's on Netflix, too. You should go watch that. Don't watch Suburbicon if you had to pick between the two. But um, I've always, I'm always hopeful for a George Clooney-directed movie ever since that one. And um, outside of Ides of March, which I did enjoy, I, I have not really liked his other three movies besides that, which is a shame. Leatherheads is actually pretty terrible. And Monuments Men, I think I might be looking back with rose-colored glasses. Um, it was meh. Yeah, it had Bill Murray in it. It was worth something. Um, but um, yeah, Suburbicon. Next week is a Marvel movie week, so we'll be discussing Thor Ragnarok. Hopefully, which ben, which ben, I've already seen. See <laughs> oh, Lauren's already seen it. Do you want to give? A but I can't talk and... about it. I don't know if it has an embargo or not, so I'm just gonna. It, you, there's no be embargo. Safe. Every single website has a review out for it already. Well, I know, but it's really weird because sometimes in the St. Louis emails, are like, "You can't talk about this okay. till the opening she day." Can't talk about it. She had a get up in her step though, so when she started talking about it, I think Lauren probably liked it, but we'll see. What'd I you, can't confirm. What do you think that? of uh, Taika Waititi's other movies? What uh, are his other movies? Uh, um, the Shadows movie. Uh, oh, I haven't seen that one. What I we need do to. in the Shadows and uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. Did you see that? I haven't one? seen that. I've one seen either. What We Do oh, in the shoot. Shadows. That's the vampire documentary, right? That one's yeah. That one's awesome. You guys, everybody should go watch Hunt for the Wilder People. It was one of the best. I think it was in my top five last year. It's excellent. It's on Hulu for free. It is so, 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 so good. It has Sam Neill, speaking of Jurassic Park. Um, and one of the great child performances. And Ben, you should see it before you see Deadpool 2, because I think that movie, he's he's like the kid, a sidekick, I think, in Deadpool 2. And he's going to blow the fuck up when that comes out. I guarantee it. Um but Hunt for the Wilder People, great, but enough about that. We're going to talk about Thor Ragnarok next week. I'm very excited. Um, I have been up for bat for all the Thor movies, um, and he makes me laugh. Oh, every, man. He, <laughs> we can get into that next I, week. I but, agree with um, Zach on this. I thought both Thors were good. I'm so excited I don't like the second one. one. Um, I always think he's one of the funniest bits of the avengers as well and i'm very very um excited to hear that this it's it's been getting the the highest reviews of any marvel film well i'm not want to anticipate that i've just heard it's the most comedic of any of the marvel movies Um, i'm totally okay with that uh no i can't say anything i hope that pans out um but you'll have to wait till next week to confirm that um so thor ragnarok go see it that's what we're gonna do and um, until then, I'm Zach Oldenburg. You can find us at middleofrow.com. You can find me at that handle on Letterboxd, Twitter. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Do you subscribe on Google Play, John, or do you just like favorite it? 
No, I do. I subscribe on Google Play. But is it called subscribe or is it? I was gonna say no, he told us all about it last episode. Oh, but that episode doesn't exist. <laughs> Did I not mention it on the episode before? You might have. I'm sorry, but, guys. Um, you can subscribe and listen to our podcast. Um, so you get it in your feed all the time. You can also bookmark the page on the website that I made. Um, it's got the player right there. When you load it up, it'll start playing the most new recent episode. We're making it easy on the nobody that people that are listening to this. Um, I was going to say, I can't get in trouble for talking about Thor. No one will know what happens. <laughs> um, they're probably monitoring you. They're just waiting for you to fuck up. Um, yep. So that's, yeah, that's Zach. Middleofrow.com. Kevin Feig personally shows up at your door. Fight. He doesn't care. <laughs> heard you were talking shit. I'm talking shit. about this. this. <laughs> Facebook. Oh, I'm Ben Grigsby. You can uh, follow me on at the Grigsby Bear on Twitter, or you can find us on Facebook at Middle of the Row. I'm John Rahul. I am brown, and you can follow me on Twitter <laughs> at another Rahul J. And you can also follow us on Twitter, where you'll get updates to reviews and articles that we post, as well as updates to the podcasts that we post. Um, and stay tuned for our special Halloween post about our favorite horror movies. Yay! And, and I am Lauren. I am super pasty. You can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Beware of Trees and us on Tumblr at middleofrow.tumblr.com. So Thor Ragnarok, go see it. And remember, the best seats are in the middle of the row. Hit stop this time, Ben.